People's Poetry Podcast with me, Jimmy Bowman. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode two, series two of the People's Poetry Podcast. My name is Jimmy Bowman, and it is my absolute pleasure to have you here along with me today. This is the podcast that brings poetry to you, the people, as I travel across the UK talking to established and brand new poets alike in my mission to find out why we still have such a love affair with poetry. As an aspiring poet myself, I wanted to know why something as archaic as poetry is still so loved and so relevant to many today. This episode's featured poet is the wonderful Basie Gracie. Many of you will have heard her recital from series one. She allowed us to use her poem Work and Play and it got big response from many of you listeners. So I went down to Brighton to find out what she was all about. We spoke about embracing modernism in poetry. We spoke about performance and page poetry and whether it can truly descend onto a page. We spoke about Glastonbury and the rise of poetry in the UK. Uh, right, I am sat with Gracie. It's Basie Gracie, that's how we say it. Basie Gracie, um, welcome. Thank you so much for having to chat to me on the podcast. I'm very excited. I was just saying to you, as I don't particularly know much about your work, I discovered you online, which is why I love poetry. There seems to be loads of it online at the minute. Um, could you sort of introduce yourself, I suppose? I know it's a bit cheeky of me, but... <laughs> Hi, I'm Basie Gracie. I'm a poet based in Brighton. Um, I've been like probably writing and performing for the past like year and a half, two years, so not that long, but... I've always been writing. I've always sort of classed myself as a poet, maybe. Um, but yeah. So how long, how long you been? How long have you been writing poetry since you were? Yeah. So I've I've always written like short stories or just funny little quips or like little rhyming things or like raps. For a while, I was like set on being a rapper, and I was like, that's going to be my my thing. But um, then yeah, it just I started. In my old house, we had a little, like, poetry night that my housemate put on where they'd all come and sit round, and it was sort of, like, group therapy in a way, but, like, it gave me a chance to say my poetry in front of people, and they really liked it, and it just inspired me to keep calling it poetry and writing in that format of rhymes and minute-long sort of stories. I've written, like, a bit of stand-up and a bit of rap and, uh, like, dabbled with the short story format, but... uh, Poetry just seems like the easiest and the most fun. You, know, you can just like put it out there straight away. You can get audience reactions from it. You can make it whatever you want to be, however long, however short, make it rhyme, do whatever with it, and just call it poetry. And you can just like get away with yeah. little bits of writing. Your, your poetry is quite, you said, quite short and snappy anyway. But I think the poems I've seen of yours online have got, they, they do sound a bit like rap sometimes. They've got that sort of natural rhythm to them. Uh, I think that's what makes them very appealing. So you've sort of, I sort of was going to ask you why start poetry, because it seems like a weird thing for someone to be doing in 2019. What what does your work focus on? I've seen is the one that we played on series one was about sort of work and play. It was called, which I enjoyed, sort of about working for the man, I guess, and minimum wage. But do you, do you have a real focus with your writing, or is it just things that influence you? Yeah. So I would say. When I first started writing, it was all just an express of my inner mental state, just to be cathartic and get it out there and write down the things that were baffling me and all that. Um, 
But then as I moved to Brighton and I got immersed in, in the music scene here, like I, I play bass in a band and that just showed me loads of joy and loads of like excitability and loads of like atmosphere and environment that uh, I just wanted to express that, that, that mind state of a sort of hedonistic enjoyment of life, of the little things, of, of sunshine and beer. That, that that I feel like is it engaging to people and is a nice thing to spread and it's what I feel like we're spreading through music and I just wanted to write that down a bit. Um, but I, yeah, I would say that I'm inspired by like just the dumb stuff my mates say and funny slang and like I, I, I do really like hip hop music. I'd say I'm probably like influenced by rappers as poets more than actual poets by poets. <laughs> but um, I think that that comes from a lot of the rhythmic stuff that I do and obviously like the bass inspiration of keeping it rhythmic and to a beat and I find like that wordplay as an instrument is really engaging but then I also find the sort of silly stuff that we say is, is enjoyable and I want to put that, that there's a lot of like seriousness in poetry that I find there's a lot of trying to create the most educated and the most thought out response to things when in reality the most engaging responses are just things that people say in the spur of the moment and and yeah I love like modern slang and like text speak and all yeah. that I, I find it really entertaining to listen to and to write in that style. I think maybe I mean I'm just going to ask you about this later but maybe that's why Poetry's made such a comeback. It's you, you said talking about those the little things and not not necessarily trying to educate someone all the time. And I'll, I'll come on to that in a moment. But you you, you just said then about um, sort of lyricists and poets almost being the same thing. And I, I agree. I think there is a, a blurred line between those. With that sort of in mind, would you consider yourself? There's this argument as well about whether you're a, a page poet or a performance poet. Would you consider yourself more a performance poet? And if so, do you think your poetry could transcend onto the page? Right, yeah. I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this recently. I'm like, I'm... I'm I'd, I'd, I've always classed myself as a performance poet and often I don't even write my poetry down. Like, I'll make it up as I walk and I'll just memorise it in my head like that and I'll feel the rhythm of it and I, a lot of the time I don't know how these words are spelt. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. then... Um, I've been going through the process recently. I'm like trying to create a book. I feel like I'm getting to a point where my, my work is shifting and, and it's starting to get recognized by people and that's going to change how I write. So I sort of want to create like an anthology of the stuff I've written up to this point mm. and, and, and class that as like my work of my youth or whatever, you know, before I now and then can move on to writing new stuff. Um, and, and that's interesting because then I'm looking at it written down, which... Yeah. I've been performing these poems for like two years and uh, loving them, but now I'm like looking the, at them on, and I'm like, oh, should I like put a comma there or should I? A lot of a lot of what I say, I think, is is through the way that I say it. It's through the infliction that you put on it. Words can mean loads of different things depending on how you read them. A lot of people say that that's the beauty of poetry is that like interpreting it in their own way, which I find is just really interesting now that it's giving this whole new sphere of my poetry, the idea of someone reading my poetry and not having listened to it is really interesting because they might interpret it completely different. Whereas with performance poetry and creating these videos that I like because it's, 
yeah, that's the way I want to do it. That's the way I want to say it. Sometimes if I'm performing it at a gig or whatever, I'll be in a different headspace and it will come out differently and then that will be a different impression of it. But with the videos, I can sort of say, this is expressing what I need it to say. Mm. Whereas those words now, when I finish writing this book, can be interpreted in loads of different ways. People can read happy poems and make them out as sad or funny poems and make them out as like really depressing, yeah, yeah. you know? It's, it's an odd one. That is the beauty of poetry though, as you say. And I think when you do perform them, they sort of self-punctuate themselves as you're saying the words. So it, I, I've never really thought about that. I suppose that process would be really weird, putting them onto the page. Be interesting to read though. Um, I think that'd be... Simon Armitage did a book of matches. All his poems were short. They were supposed to uh, be read in the time it took a match to burn. So I, I feel like yours would be that sort of vibe. Be interesting. So work and play. And I, I see a new poem you put up the day, the, yesterday or the other day, sorry, a politics lesson. I just wondered if you could talk to me about those two. So listeners of the podcast would have heard work and play on series one. Just if you could talk us through that a little bit, or, you know, why you wrote that. And then politics lesson I found quite interesting as well. Yeah. Uh, so work and play, I wrote at a time that I was working in the duty-free section of Gatwick Airport. I was doing the, like, the giving, like, people shots and trying to sell whiskey, um, which, like, I, I immediately quite enjoyed because it's like you're having banter with people and serving shots and being like, go on, have a free one. But then it's like like working like 15 hour shifts in this like time with no land and, and, and no like no concept of time and people coming and going all the time it just messed with my head and and there was a lot of emphasis on they said they said I was too Brighton which it was quite funny to me because like in Brighton I'm not that Brighton but I guess outside of Brighton they're like you've got a nose piercing that must mean you're on hard drugs you know it's just that it's just so odd and the, the emphasis on what I was doing, which was like just chatting with people and having a good time, I was really good at. But what I wasn't good at was looking like a professional and coming at it with a professional attitude, you know. And that's just that whole bureaucracy of you have to play this part, this role. This is why I w wrote Work and Play. And also because it's like I was leading this double life. I was I was doing like the festival circuit at the time, which involves just a lot of like being in my pajamas in fields and just rolling about in mud and being really silly. And then the next day I'm gonna have to like shower and put my hair in plaits and put on a full face of makeup and go and be like a proper person. And I just find that divide like really fascinating. The fact that you can like compartmentalize your personality in a way. Um, and yeah, and then and then I wrote Politics Lesson. Uh, I, I've done this thing called Stand Up and Slam, where it's like stand-up comedians go against poets, mm. and they give you, like, categories that you have to write about. So the categories are, like, education or politics. It's like sort of like Mock the Week, and you go up and you do, like, your little thing. Um, and one of the categories was politics, and I, I sort of hate, like writing about politics generally like it all just seems like such a mess to me and and something that we keep saying and everyone knows you know and like it's just re reiteration of of the same things and I, I feel like I was I was really into politics like I, w I was going to be a politician that was I was studying philosophy in university and that was like my course of life was that like oh I'm going to do all these things and then obviously all the Brexit and Trump happened and I was like oh, I just what like oh god no like it's just such a mess um 
and so then I and then I, I realized that like my, my writing my art can impact people in a different way like maybe it's not such authentic change that you can see and you can document but this whole shift of mindsets that are all around us constantly like that's coming from art it's always come from art so uh so yeah I tried to write this poem politics lesson um just like to sum up politics in like 30 seconds, which is like a terrible task to do. Uh, but, but yeah, it was interesting to see what I thought was, was the main criticism that I had of the whole thing, which is just that no one's listening anymore. We're all just shouting, which is ironic as well, as what I do is yeah. just go on stage and shout at people. <laughs> but, um, but, that, that I think that's, that, that, yeah, that's just an echo chamber effect, yeah. and I find that frustrating. Yeah. The state of politics today, you saying that you wanted to become a politician to sort of bring about change, you probably made the right choice. I think you're going to influence more people through poetry than any politician will at the moment. Let's bring it up. Politics is sort of a sort of a sorry sorry thing to talk about in Britain at the minute, isn't it? Because of Brexit and. Boris Johnson sort of becoming PM, bad times. Glastonbury, that'll cheer us up. So, so you was talking, you played Glastonbury your band this year, but you was also comparing, you said Greenpeace stage. So how was that? I mean, that was me. That was been a good gig. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. Um, that's that's the most people I've had the pleasure of performing in front of so far, um, which was in front of an act, Johnny Lloyd, who was great. Um, so yeah, I just went on in between the acts and did a bit of poetry. Um, a little bit of hyping the crowd, which is quite fun. A lot of my stuff I've written in that that frame of mind to appeal to the festival crowd and to appeal to the gig-going crowd because that's where I spend quite a lot of my time. Um, so, yeah, it was nice to, to speak in front of a crowd that was really up for it, as opposed to the poetry crowd, which is usually like quite reserved and really like listening to every word. And I really love that. But then it's also nice just to have someone scream and like all the way through the poem because they're like in such joy at life, like that they just can't express it in any other way. But rowdiness. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Love that. You run your own poetry night in Brighton. Then. Yeah, yeah. And how is that? What, what's the what's the Brighton scene like? Because Poetry sales last year, 2018, I think it was a record. It was like 12.3 million um, poetry books were sold or, or 12.3 million pounds was spent on poetry books and it was mainly people under 34. So obviously there's a lot of youth reading poetry. Why do you think that is? And the second part of that question is obviously Brighton, big historic connection with the youth, you know, subcultures, mods and rockers down here. Is, it, is there a big poetry scene? How do your poetry nights go? Are they, are they relatively youthful crowds? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. That's that's a great statistic. I love that, that, that we're selling poetry books to 35s and under. That's not something I would have really expected. But I guess, I think that there is like a, a big resurgence of spoken word at the moment. And I think that, like weirdly, I think that that probably comes from a lot of like advertising and things is just people speaking in a rhythmic way and trying to speak in an engaging way and that's constantly being blasted on adverts and stuff. I've seen like like casting submissions for spoken word poems for like KFC adverts and things, which is an odd concept. But then if you're listening to it, if you're like watching TV or listening to radio, then you realise that these adverts are scripted as if spoken word is a lot of 
a lot of that is just expressing trying to get people engaged and encouragement through words and language um but then i guess yeah i've i've been super surprised i never would have anticipated that so many people would be interested in poetry at all it's it's not something that like before i started po- writing poetry that i would like really seek out obviously i've like got a huge vested interest in it but even as someone with a huge vested interest in it i don't think that i'm like i'm not like going out and paying I wasn't paying for to see poets live and I wasn't like spending money on books just because of like I feel like our culture is sort of that's a fleeting obviously not but um but yeah when I started running my nights in Brighton my first nights that I ran were like showcase so I'd book three people and then like be like I know these people are going to be dope like come along and had like a small venue and a small crowd and that was like a, a super engaged small crowd like everyone was like it was a really good atmosphere in there and I really enjoyed running them but then I've I've started running this new night uh, I've got something to say which is just like shorter sets so before people were doing like 20 minutes now they're doing 10 minutes so it's like three poems and and I'm not sure, like, I wasn't sure about how that would go and just booked as many people, just sent a message to everyone I knew that did poetry, like, come down, say something. Loads of people got in touch with me. It ended up being, like, this huge night of this big, rowdy pub and everyone was silent and engaged and would, like, cheer when someone said something. And it was super, like, I, I've not witnessed that. Like, it's, it's really interesting. And, and, and now I'm feeling, like, really invigorated by it. Like, people are messaging me, like... Uh, since I've started writing since I came and like I wanted to get up on stage and it's that thing like if everyone's doing something then you want to do it too you know it's funny like people were like going through their phones that are like no I don't write poetry I don't write poetry and then they were there at this night like flicking through their notes like well actually maybe two months ago I wrote like a little something and maybe I could do that it's like it's like yeah you can mate get up on stage say it like um so it's, it's just one of these things that as it, as it comes to public attention, I think uh, like Kate Tempest is like mad. She, like everyone was chatting about her at Glastonbury and she's got a huge part to play yeah. in like this resurgence of poetry. A lot of people like come to me and they're saying like, oh, like your work really reminds me of Kate Tempest. And it's funny because if you like look at our work side by side, it's just nothing alike whatsoever. But it's that it's the, like they're not accustomed with spoken word and now suddenly they're hearing it which is great yeah. like it's awesome thing man like I love that I take getting compared to Kate Tempest that's an amazing comparison <laughs> yeah, totally. um, I, I am surprised starting this podcast the amount of as you say I, I, I had a vested interest in poetry but I didn't go out or pay to see poets yeah. as such and since I've started doing this just the the amount of little nights that sound like yours where people are really sort of into it and they're watching it intently yeah it's, it's really great to get involved with so oh, that's what well, i read an interview that you did i don't know when you did it on the way up here and you were talking about um venue closures which is obviously massive in london um so where i live they're being closed down all the time and you spoke at the start of our chat today about how you're not particularly a page poet and you didn't really aspire to be like the, the sort of you don't want to educate people who said you just wanted you know to write poems which i think is great and a lot of people i suppose one of my motivations for starting this podcast was this notion that poetry is elite or for the elite and there was that thing you said i wrote it down on train up here you, you said in the interview 85 percent of arts council england's music funding goes towards 
um, opera and classical music, and they reject the government rejected the music venue trust application for funding. Do you think maybe this is partly why people are turning to poetry now because it, it it's real in in a sense. It's it's actually listening to them and you know creating something beautiful back for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I think it is interesting um, that that focus on like traditional art styles as being more valid than contemporary is I think that's wrong Mm. um and I mean I love classical art styles I do love classical music and I love opera and I love a lot of classical poetry as well but yeah it's it's that way like a poetry has become in the modern day a symbol of like anyone being able to speak their darkest thoughts and be relatable you know whereas poetry is still in some places and 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 in the past definitely more so was was a different thing was painting idyllic pictures with words and and like gorgeous synonyms for human experience which is great and does have its place uh but I feel like yeah, that's what that's what I got taught a lot in school was was ye olde poetry that I don't really understand and is not written in a way that I can comprehend. And I feel a similar way with philosophy as well. That's why I took such an interest in it because it's it's things that we can all engage with. We all like we, people will say things all the time, and I'll be like, "That's poetry," you know. Like you, you're just like, "That's poetry." It's just coming out of you. You don't need to think about it. Yeah. And and it's the same with philosophy. It's like you can speak to anyone, and they'll have an opinion on it, and they'll have a point of view, and it will be valid, and it will be interesting. But yet we're taught it in this way that it's like you've got to really decode your message into this impossible thing to understand. So only a couple of people are gonna be able to get it after they've read it like 10 times. And it's I'm, I'm just tired of poetry like that. I just wanna say it and I want you to get what I'm talking about and be here with me, you know? Like, instead of just this whole thing, if you've got to work it out, you've got to put your energy and time and effort into decoding this language that I've streamed. But like, there's so much poetry that is modern and contemporary and interesting and different and, and and that's the beauty of poetry is that there's there's so many different types like and you can't really say that there's they've got anything in common whatsoever except from there's someone that's written it you know it's like there are like comedy poets on the brighton scene that are just saying nonsense and doing crazy stuff and saying things that don't make any sense and it's hilarious and there are people that have been editing this one poem for years and have finally got it absolutely word perfect and it hits in exactly the way and, and just the nuance in it is just quite right. And the, these, if you compare these two works, it is <laughs> like, it's like, what, why are these people hanging out? But they get on, you yeah. know, like that's, that's the beauty of it. Talk about writing process there and um, sort of writing something for years. And I've had a, other poets talk about uh, nuance and they, they think that, nowadays we we we've lost nuance we've lost all ability for nuance and everything's so instant and downloadable and you've got to tweet in this amount of words and i, I agree with that to a point but i suppose what i was going to ask you is about you about your writing process you said you don't necessarily write anything down so i mean how does how does that work? I, I it takes me ages to learn any poem i've ever written and are, are you i suppose if you don't write it down are you someone that's 
you can write a poem within five minutes and it's almost complete or are you someone that revisits what you've what you've done i think it's different ways it's all just sort of like a Kath- catherine will of madness in my mind and poetry and words and it's like um i can just write it in in five minutes i've had poems before that i've just sat there and bam done never touched it again and like that's complete that's how i want it that's perfect and then and then i'll i'll write stuff and then i'll be like actually no like i like the first two lines but i don't like the rest or let's sandwich that in with that poem or i'll start writing something and be like oh this reminds me of something that i've written like four months ago and then go back and be like yeah that can just fit on there that's fine and then sometimes like poems that i've written like years ago and then i'll find a word and i'll be like that fits so much better there like that yeah. that works and, and then that, and that sort of terrifies me about writing it down in this like poetry book and being like okay that's done now it's just like i, I kind of like this idea that if i if i think of a better phrase or i think of putting it better like, i can just change it and no one's gonna know like just be like add a add an extra syllable in there and it'll just flow better and then finally it'll just it'll keep improving with time but um I'm not especially methodical with my writing. I think that the memorizing thing has definitely just been from working at it really, really hard. Like when I was doing these showcase nights, I did I did three of them and I wrote 20 minutes set for each one and they were like in a month. So like the first one, it took me like four months to write this 20 minute set. And then after I finished that, I had a month then to write the, the next one, which I'd already sort of written, but hadn't memorized at all. And then the third one, I just wrote it completely fresh and memorized it within the month. Um, and I think that, that that method of like being like, okay, you've got to do this, you've got to memorise these poems, you've got to write them, has put my mind in a really good state that now it can just more and more just absorb information. And I think just the way that I write, it lends itself to being memorised because it's all rhythmic and it's all in a quite a basic rhyming structure that you can sort of tell where it's going next and I like that because it's like then you get to the last line of the poem and the people have never heard it before but they sort of they like yeah yeah I, know, I see where this is going which I like um, and also it makes it really easy for me to remember it it's quite a good point I've never really thought about that it's very permanent if you put it in an anthology I suppose Cooper Clark who was talking about before we recorded chat he, he he's quite um one for changing stuff live though so maybe maybe that could be your niche if you do if you do have an anthology out you just change up the words live uh, i suppose all all that leaves me to ask you is I, I like when i come to places like this uh so brighton this time i like to know if there's any sort of local poets that maybe we've not heard about that you've had at your shows or people that you've been reading um anyone worth noting um, and where can we find your work uh, you got any up and coming nights yeah so the Brighton scene is great I'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm really inspired by local poets Sophie Reed, who writes uh, who does music and poetry and it's very rhythmic and very absurd and slightly terrifying at point she's very intense but in a marvelous way and then Naomi Wood who writes a lot about uh the female experience and how it is being a woman in the 21st century but in like beautiful synonyms and metaphors that uh I can get lost in um Tamara Cornish who's writing uh I think like her style is quite funny it's quite tongue-in-cheek but at the same time it's coming from a very educated place um so yeah I'd really recommend checking those guys out uh they're great um and yeah you can view all of my work online at basie gracie 
on Facebook where I, I post videos up quite frequently and I'll be posting stuff about this upcoming book that I've got going on. So yeah, check it out. Gracie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for chatting with me. I can't wait to see how the book turns out. This episode's recital comes from our featured poet, Basie Gracie. Her second recital for the podcast. We appreciate you allowing us to use your work. This one is called Bass Booms Heavy. And I understand it was written after Gracie had recently quit a job and she was inspired by those creative types who were going it alone. The bass booms heavy to the very core of our generation. Given up the nine to five, we live on permanent vacation and the old pigs try and put us on probation. But we'll put up a fair fight with all the proper mediation and I'm patient. Wait impatient for the time, see I why with my maker, but he's a scammer and a liar. He's a show-off and a faker. Stab his own in the side for a sight of some paper. So I'll just loud a loud sigh and get back to it later. A waiter working a job that he hates because his mind just creates and can't think of much else than someone else. Constantly stacking shelves, living living hell because they dwell in a dystopian obsession of a cell that doesn't even pay that well. Oh well, just think of the money, hope your co-worker is funny and forget that outside it's happy and sunny. It's a real pity, it's a little bit shitty, but we do what we do to get by in the city. I don't want to get by, I don't want to try. I don't want a desk job, want to die a slob. Don't want to buy a tie, I would rather die. All I want to do is chat shit, get high. And that's another episode coming to an end, Poetry People. If you are in Brighton, do make sure you look out for Basie Gracie's night called I've Got Something To Say. Look her up on Facebook. She is constantly posting these amazing sort of one minute poems. Brilliant. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please do share it with your friends, your family, any people you know that love poetry. We are on Facebook and Instagram. We are People's Poetry Podcast. On Twitter, we are at people underscore poetry. You can find me on Twitter at jbopenspoems. And please do give us a Follow on Spotify, Acast, SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever it is you are listening to us from. All that leaves me to say is, as ever, thank you so much for listening. But more importantly, thank you for choosing poetry. Until next time.